This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. And thank you, Scott Slade. It is always a great day to be saving energy, saving money, learning about technology and sustainability. In the studio with me today, John Noel, my usual and regular expert co-host, former state representative, geek extraordinaire. How you doing? I'm doing mighty fine. I'm kind of looking forward to saving some money and learning some more about sustainability. And we have another sustainability geek expert in the studio with us, regular guest, Andrew Saunders, the sustainability officer for Athens-Clark. Good morning. How you doing? Yeah. You guys doing some exciting things around the county and North Georgia these days? Yeah, we most certainly are. We've got projects related to water, energy, transportation, um, solid waste diversion. We've got a lot of stuff happening across our organization. Do you find it hard to educate taxpayers on what you're doing? Are they paying attention uh, to the, these things? Uh, education is always going to be an ongoing effort. And in fact, sometimes I've had people ask, like, well, why are we still educating? And it's, first of all, there's always some new technology or program that's happening. And then secondly, is that's really how you change culture. Yeah. yeah. Education is important. And here, you know, in Athens, Homer University of Georgia, I would love to see us continue, you know, to grow, you know, sustainability education, try new things. I mean, that's what universities do, right? They they do research, they test things. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. You guys have, you know, you've used solar thermal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you you guys have added solar at a wastewater treatment plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are what are some of the other cool projects y'all have done? So we've got a industrial type compost facility that we use for landfill diversion, where we're making compost that citizens and businesses can get. Um, That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I'd like to drill into that one when you wanted to. I've actually been out there and yeah. seen the thing and how they turn it over with a front-end loader. And Actually, I sponsored it. My sign's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a little banner, uh, Tim Eccles. So, uh, uh, <laughs> and you know Christian Maskin. Is there Maskin. any manure related to this operation? I hope nobody's thrown manure on my uh, sign. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay, not that operation. Oh, okay, sorry. Wrong operation. Oh, go ahead, tell us more. Excuse tell me. Us more. Uh, we also are working on developing a water reuse system where right now water comes from the river. You drink it. You flush it. We treat it. We put it back in the river. Very wasteful. Uh, what we're looking at is after we treat it, instead of going directly back to the river, can we go to some non-potable uses? Can we send it to industry or to irrigation or other things so that we make more efficient of that u- water use of that water once and it's And charge out? them a little less for that water. That is, not, that is correct. Not virgin water. You know, so. Andrew, we've had on the show uh, Rex, uh, who was involved, uh, Rex Hamry, who was involved in the NCR building downtown. and Cool building. You know, being able to pull the water uh, off of you know the the top of the building and in the gutters and all, and they put it in that big cistern and mm-hmm. and flush toilets with it because that Atlanta water is really expensive. Do you envision a day when more buildings, uh, even in Athens, have 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 water flushing toilets and being used in in ways uh, where folks aren't having to use treated water for that? Yeah, most certainly, because you get double benefits. You get double economic benefits because it cuts down on your stormwater utility fee and saves you from having to buy water from the community. 
And then you also get the added benefit of it cleans the waterways because you're not having water run directly off of parking lots into local rivers. Uh, and that's a major source of pollutant. Mm-hmm. You know, what are some things that people can do at home to save water? I mean, obviously, if you're brushing your teeth, I mean, I know this just sounds really simple, but, you know, you can just have the water trickle or turn mm-hmm. it off, right, John? That's you right. do that in the shower, you I, actually turn the I, water I, off? I do it when I'm brushing my teeth. So I, I, I brush once I get going. I just turn off the water, do the teeth brushing, then turn the water back on. That's a simple thing. But in the shower, you start, you get, you get, you wet yourself down, then you turn it off soap up all this kind of thing turn the shower back on it is a simple it is a simple orchestration you know later in the show we're going to have the folks from cox enterprises cox conserves cox automotive on the on the show and one of the things they do with ride clean is they have developed a a way to clean a car with just one gallon of water Mm -hmm. Uh, and that certainly saves a tremendous amount what are what are some of the other cool things y'all have done uh, well, sticking with water for a second, one of the things that anybody can do is really pay attention to outdoor irrigation. So the county has saved over 100 million gallons a year by putting uh, moisture sensors on our ball fields because they consume a lot of water to hold up for use. And the yeah. idea is water them when they need it, not because the schedule said that so. That drives me insane when I go past a place, a house or a commercial building or a ball field, mm-hmm. and the stupid irrigation stuff is on In the when, ra- it's raining. when it's raining. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it so, ought to be criminal. I think you know the state of the art irrigation systems obviously have it, but it's something that folks don't think about. Irrigation water is very expensive, mm-hmm. uh, and so I live in Jackson County, and the, the new house that we have, which is a used house, doesn't have an irrigation system, and I am very glad yeah. uh, because it was twelve dollars just for the meter charge, right before I used a single drop of water. And then it seemed like, wow, if I watered my yard a couple of times a week, it was going to be $100 mm-hmm. for a monthly bill. And that's just a lot of money. When we designed our garden uh, at, 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 at my house, I said, look, I don't want to xeriscape this thing. You know, like in Arizona, just cactuses and stuff. But, I mean, I want, a, I want plants that are low water-consuming plants. And I bet you dollars to donuts that you're, you're, you know, you're horticulture people. And certainly the schools are thinking about that. Yeah, interestingly, I started my career with our landscape division, and so we had a policy to um, put in landscapes outside of ball fields. Our landscapes were not to be watered after the first year, so we give them enough water to install, and then it's a little bit of sink or swim, and what we found is that our landscapes don't need water after the first year. If you, How about that? If you're okay with things getting a little crispy during peak drought, then then don't water, and I don't water in my own personal yard. Right. Well, a shout out to the Department of natural resources for their work and we talked about this before working with coca-cola getting the old syrup barrels uh, so oh, these aren't yeah. 55 gallon drums i think they're 30 35 a subject hmm. to check they do a, a course where you can pay 25 dollars. you come to the dnr facility or the school they provide the drills the drill bits everything you need and they give you a little kit and you create a, a barrel water barrel that can plug into your gutter system right and then you can use that water to water plants. John, don't you do something like that I, I, with your air-conditioned water? Exactly right. In fact, the, the graphic illustration on YouTube, I have a little video called Sticking It to the Man. You can Google John Knowles, Sticking It to the Man. And uh, and there's what we've done is we have some three or 400-gallon, 500-gallon uh, tanks. Just I bought them for 50 bucks a piece. Elevated them with concrete blocks, capture the water off the, uh, off the gutter, and next thing you know, you have elevated, pressurized 
rainwater that you can use in your garden. And you do two of those and you're done. Yeah, and you've got, you know, a nice garden. And one of the things about people in athens Clark County, they love gardening. You know, we've got the botanical gardens here and we've got folks that really just enjoy being outside and yes. take great pride. Even Coach Dooley, you know, the, the you know, our our you know, former athletic director and football coach. I he mean, loves hydrangeas. He's, he's big. Uh, he's a ma- mm-hmm. I, I think he's a master gardener. He is. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of interest in that. Well, guys, I got a couple of questions from folks, and I wanted to to have you chime in on these. Uh, here's, here's the first one, and maybe, John, you start this, and then you, Andrew. Should I buy LED bulbs at a Home Depot or a Lowe's, and when should I – replace them in my home meaning should i let the others burn out the old bulbs bulbs or should i just go ahead and replace everything uh oh great great question uh i tell even my family members are like you must buy things cheap because i have a company that does led retrofits and things like that i can't buy some of these bulbs as cheaply as home depot can so the little a lamps the, the edison light bulb which you typically have in your in your table lamp those are so daggum cheap now what a, a dollar less than a dollar good light quality you can choose the color types you don't like it you can take it back it burns out right away you can take it back it's easy they got good prices they got good selection lowe's and home depot or 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 ace or some of these other companies are your are your best solution now which ones do you choose that's different you go after the light bulbs that have the biggest burn hours the longest life times that you're turned on the light in the closet don't tell anybody, but I have two closet lights with incandescent 100-watt light bulbs. Because you only burn it for a minute a day? I burn it for a minute a year. So there was no need to throw out the old right. working incandescent So that bulb. was the environmental call I made. Yeah. And I said, I'm just not going to do it. And yet, uh, you walk into my warehouse and I got 10,000 light bulbs in there. So <laughs> I, 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 it's really about how much they're being utilized and then which ones do you prioritize first it, and, and I find Lowe's and Home Depot to be great resources. What about you, Andrew? I know you, you've done a lot commercially. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the residential piece and then go to the commercial. So as John touched on, it's really two factors as to when you replace them. One is how much energy is that bulb using? If it's a little guy and a lamp, you know, you can probably wait till the existing bulb fades out of its useful life. Like but a if, compact fluorescent that's versus right. mm-hmm. yeah, an 18-watt compact fluorescent, you're going to go with a 10-watt LED. That's right. You got an eight watt pickup. That's right. But if it's a, a large tube light, like in a garage or a workshop, those things pay themselves off much faster. The second component is how much are you using it? So even if it's a large tube light, if you're kicking it on twice a year, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to put $15, $16 into it. Um, just, just let it fade and then buy the new one. But if you've got even a smaller light that you're using a lot, that might be one you evaluate. You know, we've talked about my 12 for 12 challenge on this on this show where you might refresh our listeners yeah, let me refresh you all out there about what my 12 for 12 challenge is uh, if you use old incandescent bulbs and you leave you know 10 or 12 of them and there's a lot of bulbs in a lot in in houses you think about closet you think about lamps oh yeah. let's say you, you just walk out you leave everything on maybe you don't maybe it's a family member ah. and you wind up spending about an extra 12 dollars per week john whoa Per week. Okay. So, folks, you want to save money on your energy bill, turn off the incandescent bulbs. And we've just told you, you don't necessarily have to go throw these things away. Let, you know, move them to a place where they're not used that often, a closet, whatever, and then then replace them. Well, we're going to help you save money. Stick around. We're going to continue this conversation with Andrew Saunders and John Miller. 
The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens, being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you can attack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854, Row Insulating Company. Rope. Support for Energy Matters comes from Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. AGG takes a business sensibility approach when advising clients. AGG provides industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG trans- subscribes to the belief, not if, but how. We appreciate their weekly support of Energy Matters. And John... I anticipate the Public Service Commission and Georgia Power doing a lot of additional solar over the next three years. Amen. And and if you're out there and you're a business owner, you're a person that has a substation near your house, uh, and maybe you have some land or you have a relative that has some land with a substation near it, you probably need to talk to a a lawyer like John Gornall and the folks at AGG, uh, you know, someone like Velo Solar, one of our sponsors, because uh, you need help in getting these projects done. These are extremely competitive, and these utility-scale projects that we're doing are actually lowering, fractionally lowering the rates for every person on the Georgia Power system. It's been a great story. That's good. Downward pressure is good. Yeah. You want to go down, not up. And in the studio with me, as always, John Noel, my co-host, and Andrew Saunders, the sustainability officer for Athens-Clark County. Guys, we were talking about LED bulbs earlier, and I mean, when I do have a bulb that burns out or, a, a, a you know, a battery that comes out of a you know, flashlight that's dead, Andrew, what, what do you recommend as a sustainability officer that people do with these things? So for smaller household items, you can take things like that to a Lowe's, Home Depot, some of the, the chain home improvement stores, and they'll typically have a recycling center right up front near the door. For the batteries and for the lamps. That's right. But one thing that we're really proud of in Athens and in Atlanta now has one as well, is if you have larger ones or higher volume, uh, I helped a friend remove 140 uh, large fluorescent light bulbs from their their business. Wow. Um, you don't want to throw those in the landfill. They have a little bit of mercury in them, and it's you wasteful. If yeah. It's over 100, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's a Center for Hard to Recycle Materials. We have one in Athens. We have one in Atlanta. And that's a great way to get rid of light bulbs, batteries, paint, mattresses, film plastic, books. I mean, look them up if you're in an area that has one and see what you can move there. And we all get lazy. You know, where do I keep this until I can ha- have the time to go? I mean, do you have a special bin or a, a box in your in your home yeah, or at your yeah. desk? Uh, I, that you I, have yeah. a, I have a very yeah. pretty trash bag. That yeah. I, I know that that sounds silly, but I just have a bag. We hang it up because we do a lot of film plastic. Uh, we have children, and things just come wrapped in that kind of flexible, stretchy plastic. Yep, terrible. So, so we throw that all in there. Typically, there'll be a smaller box for batteries and print cartridges, things like that. And... Um, 
for me, it's about a once a month, once every two month trip to the, the for the center to hard to recycle materials, and they'll they'll sort it out right there, take it off your hands, and make sure it's disposed of. Well, we talked about the twelve for twelve challenge about light bulbs for homes, and we we shared a little bit in the last segment about businesses and replacing lights. Let's talk about even a bigger scale, like a a county, mm-hmm. like you're you know you're responsible for the sustainability practices and implementing those here in this county, but we have listeners all over the state and the country. You know, are there challenges associated with doing this on such a grand scale as a, as a county? Um, it really just comes down to pace. So I, I consider energy conservation in a, in a large scale for our organization. It's a target-rich environment. we got a lot of light bulbs. we got a lot of buildings. We've got some inefficient uses. And so what I just have to be careful of is that we prioritize the things that are most impactful first and that we make sure we do most of ours with in-house staff to, to make use of our taxpayers' resources, make sure that we really pace it out so that we don't burn out our staff or we don't ignore other maintenance needs while we're doing it. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a person, I'm listening to you know this show somewhere in Georgia, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm seeing things around my county that maybe should be changed. What do you do? What do you do as a, as a citizen? Where do I start in, in being able to give an idea to a person, and will they even listen to me? I would offer two things. First is I encourage everybody to have a relationship with their elected officials, and that relationship should start before you quote-unquote need something. Let them know who you are. Let them know who you, that you care and that you can help. Uh, when it comes to getting influencing change, of course, talking to elected officials is a good start, but you can also have those relationships with government staff. The best work that I do comes with champions that just emerge. Anytime I have somebody that says, I would like to work on A or B, and I'm here to help, we can do something with that. Wow, John, good my first appointed position was on the Mosquito Committee in the city of Norcross. Now you, you think, wow, right this there. is this is this is crazy. From whence he came, we we had a, a particular brigade. person yeah. in Norcross. Actually, they were on the city council, uh, but we had this particular person who had all of these hubcaps and tires in their backyard. Uh. Uh, there must have been, there must have been, you know, three or four hundred different items with standing water, uh, and as it turned out. This particular yard was like the breeding ground for Mosquito Central, uh, and I, I had to. So you called you know, in an airstrike. I had to break it to, you know, the appropriate people that you know that the problem was actually happening within the leadership of the city. It, oh. it didn't go so well, oh. uh, but I did later become the campaign manager for a guy who then won a city council seat, and that's kind of how I got my start. That's great. In, in, into politics. In fact, we took we took this guy. Uh, his name was uh, Andre. I won't I won't give his last name. He had a he had a Spanish first name and a Polish last name. He had a British he had a British accent. Oh my gosh! He, he had sold drugs in Jamaica. It keeps getting as better and he immigrated better. from London. Okay. Uh, so he lived, by the way, in Norcross on the wrong side of Buford Highway. There was kind of a a wealthy politically you know influenced oh, really? side. In okay. old Norcross, the old money, the old influence. Ah, yeah. And then there was this transition side with ah, a lot of yeah. apartments and rental houses. He lived over there. Oh, right? the other side. And so, oh, and by the way, he was a hairdresser in Buckhead. Uh, <laughs> so, and he <laughs> had, he had, better. he had curled permy, per, per, you know, per, permy hair and, and he homeschooled. 
Oh, 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 oh and, and by the way, he was running against the town plumber who had, had been on the city council six different terms and had worked on every toilet in the town. How are you going to beat the plumber? Yeah, yeah. And he, he was running against a guy that owned the train depot with a nice little restaurant there. And another former council member who owned the gas station where people came in and gassed their car. So I'm running this really unusual candidate yeah. against these people. And and by the way, we only have a total budget of $800, right? Oh, and so, yeah. Well-funded campaign. And so <laughs> we... We uh, we came up with this plan to uh, to buy the voter list and to cross reference three different voter city voters lists w- with people that had voted in every one of those city elections, and I said to Andre, Andre, we're going to every one of these houses twice, and we're going to send every one of these people a personal postcard, handwritten, hand addressed, hand stamped, and we're going to rent the ice cream parlor in downtown Norcross, and we're going to give free ice cream away to anybody that wants to come and meet you. And in the end, my buckhead homeschooling hairdresser from the wrong side of the tracks became the city councilman by 14 votes. That's funny. <laughs> he beat the plumber. The plum- hey, John, hey, John, the plumber was so mad after, after the runoff. And the vote was announced. The plumber went out and got in his truck and burned rubber out of the city hall. <laughs> he, was so, he, was, he was so mad. It took, me, it took me years to rebuild my relationship with the plumber. I had to hire him to come into my house. You know, when I, uh, I did everything I could to rebuild it after, after, after beating him. But to oh, Andrew's point, getting to know your elected, elected officials, officials is, I mean, John, you've been a yeah. state representative yeah. before. I mean, how important... Is it for constituents to reach out and t- and tell you what they're thinking? It and- is critically important because you don't know. I mean, I'd go to the neighborhood meetings. I'd talk to people. But you don't really know unless somebody's – they live in the neighborhood and they're doing this stuff. And so they would come to me and they'd say, you know, we care about, for example, noise barriers. And we need noise barriers along the interstate. And I was I didn't know that. I didn't need know you needed it there. And they bring you down. And show, so these people are the people for elected officials. They are the constituents. And often, as elected officials, we don't hear from the constituents. We darn sure hear from the lobbyists. Yeah, let me give let me get a shout, give a shout out to public school teachers and private school teachers who work with student councils who help kids oh, understand. Yeah. You know, the very rudimentary part yeah. of being an elected official, getting elected to student council treasurer. Or student government. Yeah, any kind of student government. That even was at a big the, deal for me. At, I at did the university. student government. Yeah. yeah I the, ran a guy's race for student government. Yeah. No, yeah. These kind job. of things. Yeah. These kind of things help students understand the nature of, of being an elected official and of our and, democracy and, 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 and how it works. I mean, we are blessed in this country, really, to have people elected to all kinds of things. We have really thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of offices yeah. across the country. Some of them are as small as... Most of them are not influenced uh, by the Russians. A little, a little a, oh, good grief, a little city a, a little city council election, you know, all the way up to, obviously, President of the United States. And, oh, and John, yes. you know, it's, yeah. The, yeah. It's, it's cynicism, oh. right? It's cynicism. Cynicism backed like, by facts like, and evidence. Yeah. Like yeah. this, yeah. That, that, that gives politicians a bad oh, name. Oh, yeah. You know? so, no, it's, you know, it's yeah. corruption that gives politicians... 
politician's a bad day. I just want to chime in here while you two resolve (laughs) your Russian issue and suggest whether you're that student running for the student body president or you're just an everyday citizen uh, trying to engage with an elected official to solve a problem or promote an idea, it really comes down to communication and relationships. So don't think that because you posted a concern on Facebook that that was immediately resolved. What I've noticed Mm, in my time working with government is if you'll take the time to pick up a phone and call or if you'll meet somebody at a public venue, You know, take some of the quote unquote old school approaches to personal communication and you'll probably get a more meaningful result. Well, completely agree with that. Good stuff. John, when we come back, I want to I want to take some more questions. I want to get into a little bit about uh, flex fuel vehicles and E85. A lot of folks have flex fuel vehicles. I want to I think it's hocus pocus. and I want you to tell me why it's not. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why it's not. I want you to talk about HVAC systems and some savings that folks can have. First off, tell me what HVAC stands for. And get into the time of use rate and we'll talk about that. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Stick around and we're going to help you save money on all of your energy bills. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Bello Solar. Support for Energy Matters is provided by Velo Solar, founded in 2007 by Mark Bell and Chuck Clark. Over the years, Velo has designed, engineered, and built medium to large-scale solar projects all over the country. Velo also has designed and integrated a monitoring software platform called Power Info. Power Info is a smart grid software that has the ability to measure everything in your building that either produces or pulls energy. Sounds like my kind of deal. Yeah, Solar, cool. lighting, yeah, HVAC, water, even steam for industrial processes allows your customers to increase their energy efficiency. For more info, VeloSolar.com. Yes, V-E-L-O, Solar.com. John, so much technology. I've got Andrew... Saunders from uh, Athens-Clark County, the sustainability officer, in the studio again with us. So much cool technology coming from. I mean, I'm a, I'm always seeing you look at your phone oh, and yeah, look I at what your solar what your solar's doing, yeah. you know, on your house, and you know, and so you're you're using that technology. I think about smart meters on all of the Georgia power homes and how that that smart meter communicates with the mothership about six times a day. Just a quick blast saying i'm working i'm you know i'm uh, working yeah right, i'm not out and, i'm not out and i've got high demand this house is really demanding a lot and maybe they need to allocate more in this area or something yeah we've got smart inverters uh, that are mm. that are coming 
uh, and you know, with, on solar arrays, uh, we've got smarter solar panels. If you think about Andrew, those solar panels at your wastewater treatment plant, those things are pretty smart. I mean, they they move during the day, right? That's right. They uh, so they track with the sun. Um, oh, tracking and on a on an east west axis that allows them to produce more energy. And how another, much more do you reckon? I think it's about fifteen percent. That's significant. Yeah, it definitely helps our bottom line. And now, what about what what about like? you know, the actuator or the little motor. Mm-hmm. Aren't y'all using some different technology on that? Yeah, so instead of going with an electric uh, mechanical system or even a hydraulic system, we used a pneumatic system. So it uses compressed air and kind of these little pillows that are used to manipulate the panels back and forth. Another really cool thing about that is when there's a storm, if there's a lot of high weather, there's a sensor that tracks that, and the panels will go completely flat, so you don't have wind load issues on them. Wow. Um, and then we can make them completely up and down when we need to mow around them. Wow. And oh. that, yeah, and, and most people, you know, most citizens, I would guess, that live in Athens-Clark County will never venture to the wastewater treatment plant. It's you're, you're cor- Well, now, let me correct you. Um, so on your own, no, it'd be hard to stumble into one, although you're welcome to come. And we have had people visiting. But one really cool thing as it focuses around education is our water conservation office gives at least a tour a month on one of our water plants where citizens and students and teachers can come out and learn about it. You're nothing. And now we have this one where we can, we can fold in energy, renewable energy, with huh. that tour. Wow. John, okay, this, cool. this educational piece, and uh, we, we tease on our show about giving continuing education credits by yeah. just listening to our show, yeah. but the education piece of it is such, a, such an important piece. And, you know, folks, you don't have to be embarrassed that you don't know that much about energy. Look, when I got elected to the Public Service Commission, frankly, I didn't know right. that much. It's been a, it's been a learning experience. experience. John, you're, yeah. you're an expert. You're still learning. I'm still uh, learning. You know, I've been at it 20 years. Yeah. And, and Andrew, I'm sure you're still learning as well, even though you're the sustainability officer. I have a background in forestry, so everything I've done with energy has been self-taught, or I've had mentors like John and others mm-hmm. that would walk me through the new technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a couple of questions folks have. I still uh, still have these, and while I've got the experts in the studio, I want to get y'all's feedback on this. Uh, here's one about what else can I do to get more life and savings from, out of my air condition or my HVAC system? What can I do to, to make that better? Andrew? Step one, regular maintenance. So they build up a lot of dirt on, on the cooling elements and on the fans. Um, so having somebody come out once a year or twice a year, as it might be, and cleaning, making sure the, sure the system's charged. I even had a bearing wear out on one of my fans. All of those things impact performance and life. Yeah, so yeah. clean know, the leaves off the top of them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and whatever the season is. Just get the debris off of them. So, you know, the on the side, sometimes dirt or grass clippings, uh, can you just wash that off with a hose? Is that okay to put the water uh, yeah. in there? You, it is. Uh, I will caution you, though. So, yeah, I wash mine with hose water, all you know, once a month at least. But there are some somewhat snake oily kind of salespeople that are promoting systems that put water on those full time to make them more efficient. Uh, I believe they probably do make your your air conditioning more efficient, but there's minerals in the water that actually shorten the life, so it's not a technology I recommend. What about, I know when, when, when Georgia Power came out to our Winterville house, the house that I have the solar thermal on, we had an upstairs and downstairs. This was a, a house built in the 80s, and when they did the energy audit on this house, they came to me and said, 
sir, your downstairs AC is cycling on too much. It's just not cooling. And they they took a thermometer and they put it up at the at the return duct. And, and, and what's that about? What are they looking for on that kind of thing? It's kind of strange, but with the new variable speed drives and compressors, uh, some of the most energy used is on startup. And then once the system's running, it becomes much more energy efficient. And so they're correct. If you're hearing your air conditioning cycling off 10, 12, 15 times an hour, that's a lot. You might want to check it out. I, mine yeah. maybe does two or three runs an and hour. And so remember those starts and stops just banging that engine with every time wham, wham, wham. The best thing to do is kind of like, oh, I don't know, the nuclear plant that I hate and you love. But that nuclear plant, once you start it, the best thing you can do is let it roll. And so it's the same sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Let it let it roll. And and unfortunately, as we start and stop, start and stop, it's a big problem for HVAC. Systems. What about you know something as simple as a as a filter? We have a lot of rental homes in Athens, Clark County. Students are renting them. Maybe mm. they're not, you know, they they. This is their first home. They're not really. They're not checking you know, an air filter. You know how how much impact does a dirty filter have? What can a person do to make it easier to maintain? Uh, it absolutely has an impact. If you don't change your filter, it's kind of like you're breathing through a straw. Uh, you're going to restrict flow, and then the system's going to have to work harder to reach the same performance. And a dirty straw. Yeah, and, and a dirty straw. Um, there are several things. Um, one of the most common ones is you can actually get on a subscription service where they're mailing air filters or or you have a property maintenance person that's doing it on the regular. Um, there's also some deeper volume filters. So instead of having the one-inch depth, they're three, four, five inches deep, and those allow more surface area, so they have to be changed less frequently. I would hit the maintenance thing, too, again. I had, was recently at a family member's house, and, and, and their concrete pad, because of some rain stuff, had shifted mm-hmm. and was tilted. And so now the HVAC system was tilted, you know, two, three, four degrees, whatever it was. Well, the motors are designed to be flat and level, and as the tilts... They, it throws them off, and it will degrade the life much more significantly of a tilting HVAC system than not. Like, And that costs a lot of money, so mm-hmm. you might want to fix that. And a cautionary tale is somebody who had a motor go out on the fan of their compressor. Those, all of the HVAC equipment is constantly getting better, which means if you have an 8- or 10-year-old system, it's hard to get parts. So when my fan went out, I had to custom order parts, and it was actually a kind of a hybrid swap-in. I couldn't get the original motor back. Mm. Here's one about fans. Do do ceiling fans or box fans help the performance of my AC or help me keep my house cool in the summer? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I grew up on a farm, and we didn't have air conditioning when I was really young. And, and even then, we only got it up in one part of the house. Fans were the key. The air movement, making sure you turn them so that you know, they, they, they go in the right direction for winter or, or for summer. But, yes, fans are key. What do you think, Andrew? I mean, I'm seeing more and more, like, distribution centers, warehouses that are unair-conditioned. They have some really large fans, and mm-hmm. they're telling me, yeah, our employees like it. It cools cools us down a couple of degrees even though, even though we don't have air conditioning. Yeah. I mean, look at the way the human body's built. We perspire, and then it's actually the air movement across that that carries away the heat. So there the fans go. are very useful. Right. And I will make a shameful admission. Um, 
whole house fans, attic fans, as they're sometimes called, the industry has moved away from that. There's, I think it's a mistake. I do too. There's, I think it's a mistake. There's some evidence that that is an inefficient an inefficiency because it's a direct connection between a conditioned space in your house and an unconditioned space in your attic. I know. But I'll tell you, my house has really well insulated because I've had that energy audit. In a spring and fall, I can flip on that fan for 20 minutes in the morning cool the house or warm it up if i need to and it'll stay that temperature most of the day so even if it's inefficient i like it yeah that's that's interesting a lot of different schools of thought on those things yeah so last question about this this time of use rate time of day rate real-time pricing it's called different things i know georgia power has it they call it the nights and weekends rate walton emc has it jackson emc most every utility has this is this something that folks should consider? And, uh, Andrew, break it break it down for us because it is a, a complicated topic. It's complicated, but the idea is simple. When the energy is more expensive for the utility to produce, you're going to pay more for it. And when it's cheaper for the utility to produce, you're going to pay less. So for a residence, it's going to be in the summer between 2 and 7. You're going to pay more for any energy you use. But the whole rest of the year, uh, it's going to be substantially cheaper. So if you have some technologies to help manage that, if you can pre-cool your house, before two o'clock if you can move your dishwasher cycle or if you have solar it's a fantastic tool and even for businesses uh, we manage I manage our energy portfolio for the for the city of Athens we're planning on putting at least five thousand dollars in savings this year just by moving some programs to time of use um, and that's on top of already thirty thousand dollars of savings we've done with it. And that's just paper. I mean, you're just shifting. You know, you're just getting on a rate. You yep. didn't install a new light. You didn't have to do anything. It's just changing behavior a little bit mm-hmm. and shifting some some paper around with the utility company. I think it's great. I do the same thing. You know, I shift all my all everything I can to the nighttime. You know, I, I, I'll say this as a finality on that that. Usually you think if you use more energy, you're paying more money. But if you're on a time of use rate, you can actually use more energy and pay less money. you got to check it out. Well, I'm Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Uh, We've had uh, Andrew Saunders and John Noel in the studio. Stick around, and we're going to talk about a very cool program with some Cox Enterprises folks. So join us for more discussion about saving money on your energy bill. You've heard about Jim Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Jim Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M CarService.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706-795-2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Rowe Insulating Company. Get comfortable. I'm Tim Eccles. Welcome back to Energy Matters. My co-host, John Noel, former state representative and energy geek and nerd. I'm Tim Eccles uh, on the Public Service Commission. John, leadership is important. You've driven an electric car. I've driven an electric car. We talk about this stuff. Uh, Yeah. I 
I find action way more important than rhetoric as we think about corporations, particularly in Georgia, leading the way in sustainability. It is important that they do this, right? Yeah, it's, uh, well, somebody's got to save the planet. Uh, you know, there's plenty of plenty of people in the country that are making money on, on destroying it. Let's save it. And I think, uh, I think Cox is a great example of a company who is doing that. I, my company, Energy and Environment, sells energy efficiency projects companies all over the country and i meet with the dolts of the world and the dummies who are just like well i'm gonna do it because i'm just saving money it's not because they want to be green with an entity like cox who started this thing a long time ago in the mid 2000s i think 2007 they said i want to be green oh yeah and then there's energy savings and money savings it was that there's an environmental component to it well before there was a dollar component just so happened that there was a dollar component yeah. And that's the beauty of it. It's a win-win situation. Yeah. In the studio with us, uh, three Cox employees, Alec Fraser, uh, uh, Lee Malloy, and Julian Cowart, they're on the automotive side. But isn't Cox Conserves deep into every aspect uh, of the of the company? Sure. It's our, it's our culture and our values. You know, we, we feel strongly that it's important to do the right thing to protect our community and the environment. Yeah, I remember pitching the Mannheim people on L, and it just just occurred to me. But Mannheim, uh, you know, got all those lights and those big uh, Mannheims where they keep all the cars and these auctions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and was pitching them on LEDs and doing that thing. I think they've done the program. And there's lots of other vendors out there to do it with. But the idea is, they took a thousand watt metal hail out of which they had a thousand or ten thousand of them, and they converted it to a three hundred watt LED. So they saved seventy percent of the energy, which the coal plant didn't need to generate, and all these other things. So they have these huge impacts that they can make at these huge facilities. And, and think have. about this, John. Yeah. Think about dealers coming to the auction to buy their inventory, looking it up at these lights and going, you know, what kind of lights are those? Yeah. And the the influence That's true. that you have from putting yeah. solar panels on the auction right. or using a water reclama- reclamation facility like right. Cox has done right. at, at, at their auction. Let's talk about some of these projects that you guys have done. There have been so many and, and I just appreciate the leadership that you all have taken. Uh, share with me some of the examples. Sure. So we've got 40 alternative energy projects going on currently, and we've invested over, say, $100 million in the last 11 years in, in Cox Conserves. But we have projects that affect water reclamation, eco-friendly transportation, some in waste management, whether it's parking deck solar canopies, um, recycling groundwater, and rainwater for cooling towers. Um, she's got a shuttle sheet services. That is, she's got eight sheets. You name it. Single, we, <laughs> you got single space, yeah. four and point yeah. type, and and it's a whole bunch of projects. Yeah. You know, I've seen a number of these sites. I obviously, I haven't seen seen them all, and I'm friends with the folks down there that run the program. And so, I've really tried to use Cox's sustainability program as a way to get other companies to follow suit. And because Cox is Cox is helping people figure out how to do it in a sustainable way, and that means financial too, John. That means being able to right. make the thing work financially. What I what I gauge from what you said is they're spending basically ten million dollars a year doing this stuff, and and then those projects begin to pay for themselves, and they create more funds, and so there it, it sort of snowballs at that point. Now, Julian, you had something you were telling me about. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a number of things that are going on with uh, with Cox, and we live it every day. I, you know, I mean, whether it is uh, you know our in our, our all of our facilities have lower no flow toilets. Uh, you get used to that. Uh, I, I 
frankly forgot how to flush a regular one uh, after being there for six years. Um, or it's, you know, I mean, it's a number of things, whether it's large things like the tire recycling you discussed or, uh, or the, you know, the investment in companies like RideClean who can clean a car with less than a gallon of water. And that makes a, a real difference as you move forward. And, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, I worked at the cable company for a long time. They drove initiatives in the industry by requiring our, our vendors to have low or no packaging and what they are delivering. That's both a financial boon to, to them and to us for not having to pay for all that, and it helps the world. Uh, and, I, you know, we live it every day. And I, that's what I've come to really respect about working at a place like Cox is it's, they don't brag about it. They don't run up a flag that talks about uh, what they do. But I can tell you that having walked in and out of all these buildings for the last six years, it, it means a great deal. And it, it just becomes breathing to us. Georgia owned, Atlanta owned. That's good. Yeah. So, John, you think about their Sandy Springs headquarters. They compost out of that cafeteria out there. They're that's com- a cool they're, comp- they're, they're composting of light. All, all yeah. of that food. We talked about composting mm-hmm. here. There's so many different aspects of this and i want to help companies in atlanta just get started i don't want to i don't necessarily want to cast judgment on anybody oh i'll cast judgment i'll let you cast judgment i'm ready to cast some judgment i think there are so many companies that are screwing this up and they have so much opportunity millennials want green companies millennials want green products people want evs people are ready for a change the people are it's the it's the knuckleheads that are running many of these companies that don't see it. Well, we we've got to. Uh, I, I, we don't have to, but we, we, for example, they well, don't see it. Hey, we certainly have to help people take a baby step, dip their toe in the water. And one of the things that you can do to dip your toe in the water is put an EV charger at your business. I remember going down to Chick Fil A, to their to, to their corporate headquarters. They didn't have any EV chargers at the time, and I I walked some of the executives around and suggested places that they could put them. Now, at the time, they only had one person driving an EV, and they didn't see, well, we don't really have any. But if you build it, they will come. And we proved that when Chick-fil-A put those chargers in, all of a sudden, employees started getting chargers. And I would chime in there exactly on that point. Like, as our leadership, the the family that owns us has really been the drivers of this and has been a champion. Good point, Alex. Yeah. What they have then created is a is an Culture. environment within the company where every year we have sustainability competitions effectively where employees are not only encouraged but rewarded for submitting great ideas. And it's really cool because now you have this platform where you're not like you are suggested, you're you're encouraged, you're celebrated for having these neat ideas. And and what a cool thing for for an owner of a company as big as we are to celebrate some person who he or she would likely never meet because they're invested in sustainability. Like that goes a long way, a lot more than a couple hundred bucks as a spiff or anything else, but being recognized as a sustainability leader in, in a big company like ours, it's a special thing. If you go to matters radio, our, our Twitter feed for the show, we're going to link you to some of the Cox projects. You know, I think about all the chargers that Cox has at their corporate headquarters and kind of the the system they've designed for communicating with one another to move their car after it's charged and uh and just how well that has worked uh because uh, i think between you and coca-cola y'all have got more chargers you know than than any two corporations in the city so that's been a great thing yeah we're we are proud of uh, of this part of our business right and it's not something that is necessarily public or on all of our tv stations or radios but it is a part of who we are every day 
I had an employee at a job site. Who's, we were unpacked light fixtures, and it had a plastic bag, and we had hundreds of them. And he goes, why, why are we throwing them away this plastic bag? I said, well, we're recycling the lamps. We're recycling the, the cardboard. We're recycling all this stuff. You're right. What are we doing? And he said, well, I'm just going to take it home and use it for trash bags. And why don't we do that at the office? Why don't we do the next thing you know? We were giving away 100 bags to that building for them to use as trash bags. in the, just, just a plastic bag. They, and so they were able to repurpose all the things, and it was just an employee's idea. You know, repurposing, recycling, it's just something we need to think more about. We live in such a throwaway society, and folks folks don't realize that, you know, when we fill up a landfill, and these things have a capacity, we have to go out another 20 miles to the next rural county that needs money. Dig a hole in the ground. And dig a hole in the ground and make a deal with them. So think about 20 miles of diesel there, 20 miles of diesel back. The extra hour for the employee, that's why your tra- trash rates are going up right, right. there because we, we fill these things up too quickly. So the more you put in that recycle bin, the less is going into the landfill. Folks, you're saving money by recycling. John, I know you do it, and our family has as big a recycle container as we do that's trash exactly. container. Yep. and. I'm not proud. I go through my trash can, and I look for things that maybe family members have overlooked, and I I put them in that recycle container. I was down. I put a trash can out by the street on the sidewalk, and I was down there the other day like a homeless person, reaching in there, grabbing out cans and bottles and everything, and putting them in the recycling because, you know, knuckleheads throw that stuff in there. You know, so so many things that we can do. I I think about— tires and the tire problems that we have in our state and when i say tire problems i'm talking about people dumping tires on onto property oh yeah uh, you know and i don't know if you know much about mosquitoes but mosquitoes like to breed you know where there's water yeah and if you've got standing water there's larvae in there uh in the south and mosquitoes are then you know uh, hatching and biting and so tires not only attract mosquitoes they attract snakes uh right. and who likes snakes i mean i love snakes yeah so a few few yeah. crazy people out there yeah but what cox is doing like with out. what cox yeah. is doing with their snake their tire let's get back to sustainability sorry, can sorry, we sorry. Um, yeah. so what cox is doing with their tire pyrolysis center down in nahana georgia is basically taking an oxygen-free environment and they're not disposing of tires into a landfill they're not burning tires they're actually reducing them to their original compound how cool is that project yeah it's been phenomenal and and i think as we look to the future too that you know ev back to the ev concept ev battery recycling is, is a great opportunity for us as a, as a business and a community so and you all think you may be doing that well you know I, i'm not going to signal specifically what you know cox may do but i think it's of interest to us however and, you have influence on and the industry needs it right we see you yes, know the tire analogy that commissioner outlined is applies to ev batteries right we're right. going to see those tires everybody's got them batteries everybody's got them yeah repurposing recycling hey you learn a lot on energy matters don't you john great stuff nerd cox, out with us yeah cox conserves leading the way in sustainability if you want to know more about it just google cox conserve or check our twitter feed matters radio i'm at tim eccles he's at new energy yeah so thanks for listening to energy matters we hope you'll continue to tune in and learn all you need to know about sustainability saving money and technology gas south believes in the difference we can all make like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care 
For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you 